And welcome back to Coaching with the Bible. This week, the portion of Yitro, our subject this week, Boundaries. This is Episode 71, Season 2, Episode 17, and I am glad you are with us this week. Our subject this week is Boundaries. And to start us off this week, let's focus in on the text before we get into the concept of boundaries writ large. This is the moment, the purpose of the Exodus, the purpose even of going down to Egypt in the first place, is to come out of Egypt and then experience the revelation at Mount Sinai and receive the Torah, receive the Ten Commandments, experience God on the mountain, this is the moment. We've arrived. And so there are so many parts to this story, and there are so many avenues and aspects and details that require further study. We can sit here and ponder and think about and wonder what that experience must have been like what it must have been like to stand at Mount Sinai for that moment, to be one of the people who left Egypt, one of the people who crossed the sea, one of the people who experienced the plagues, one of the people who now stands at Mount Sinai for the revelation. It's extraordinary. And yet the aspect I want to focus in on this week and the one that I want you to think about this week as we think about coaching with the Bible and coaching ourselves and improving ourselves and working on ourselves is in fact boundaries. Because in the course of the preparation for the revelation, we see that the people go through a set of what you might call ritual purification or preparation, preparatory steps, to be ready for that moment, completely understandable. They've been traveling through the desert. It's been hard. Uh, it's been difficult. And now if you're going to experience God in the fullest sense, then you should be pure, ritually pure. Totally makes sense that you should be ritually pure for that experience. But that's not all that is required because the text then goes on and God reminds Moses and then commands the people through Moses as to where they can stand and where they cannot stand, as to what they can touch and what they cannot touch. In chapter 19, verse 12, God tells Moses that he is to set boundaries around the mountain. That's not exactly how I maybe, or we maybe think about how that could or should play out, this is idea, you know, we think about the, the idea that God wants us close and he's going to have us as close as possible and we're going to be right there almost feeling like we're hugged by God in that moment. And yet God is very clear and says multiple times to Moses and Moses then commands and reminds and warns the people multiple times about the boundaries and the consequence of violating those boundaries. 
Don't hover above the space. Don't touch the space. Don't use anything to touch the mountain during the course of the revelation. Nothing. Nothing. Stand where you are supposed to stand. That's where you're supposed to stand when God reveals to you. Like, why? And why more than once? Like, what? Why? So on some level, we can completely understand it because if we are someone who's standing there, then we want to be as close as possible. We want front row seats to this experience. We don't want, you know, Bob Uecker seats in the back and, you know, in the top row of the stadium. If you've never sat in the top row of a stadium, it can be pretty bad. The, the signs, the sight lines are often bad uh, and it's hard to see what's going on on the field. And they're the cheap seats. And in the winter, it's uber cold. I remember sitting in Giant Stadium back in the 80s, in the dead of winter, freezing in that last row. Or even in May, sitting in Wrigley Field in the last row and freezing there also. It's not fun. It's an experience, but it's not fun. So we want to be as close as possible. We want to get as close as possible. We want to you know, grab some of the turf and take it home with us because this is Mount Sinai. We want to be there. So we can understand to some degree controlling the urge of the people to rush the mountain. That even to the degree that it might be worth it for a person to have seen the presence of God on the mountain and then even suffer the consequence of death, but having had the experience, the pleasure, the raw joy of experiencing God, I think we could we could see that. We can understand where that could come from. So we can understand to some degree as to why it is that a person might want to run up the mountain. We can understand also why it is perhaps that some degree that God wants there to be some distance because God has an idea as to how this experience is to go lest one person ruin it for everybody. We see that later on, unfortunately, when the tabernacle is built and then the two sons of Aaron are, are, are killed in that celebration, how that dramatically and drastically and terribly changes that day from celebration to destruction, from exhilaration to death. You know, Say it this way, God forbid that somebody would ruin the revelation at, the Mount, at Mount Sinai because they want to get closer. You can get that. But I think it goes further than that. And I didn't necessarily see this in any sort of commentary or book that made this point, but I think it's really important that we sort of get the idea as to what's going on here, which is this. It's a couple of things that are happening here which I think really inform us around the idea about boundaries. Number one, The Mount Sinai experience, in the manner in which God wanted it to happen, could not happen without the boundaries that God has put in place. That is to say, the experience that we read about and think about and dream about and wonder about as the revelation at Mount Sinai could not have happened if not for the boundaries that God has put into place. It's an amazing thing. So the experience requires the boundaries. That's number one. Number two, it would seem, it would seem then 
that boundaries are requisite for reaching the highest heights of spirituality. And that boundaries on some level aren't actually limits, but actually set freedom into being. Let's say that again. Boundaries aren't necessarily limits, but they do set in motion the opportunity for freedom and growth. And so it's a question of how we look at them, or maybe where we're standing with respect to those boundaries and how we consider them. And the reality of it is even further, if we take it even a step further, very much about you know, Torah study and the study of Jewish law is very much about setting up all kinds of fences, boundaries. We have all kinds of rules in place to guard us from violating anything. So we'll have the original prohibition, then we'll have a prohibition on top of a prohibition, lest you come to violate the second, the, the more serious one. So we now have an additional prohibition on a lesser act, right? You see where this is going. So this idea of fences, borders, boundaries, marking of territory is a thing, not just at Mount Sinai, and also, by the way, not just at the tabernacle, which is going to be built a little bit later on, where they also have boundaries and places to where people can and cannot go. It also follows itself all the way through into the manner in which the religion is practiced. So fundamental to our ability to succeed and to grow religiously, spiritually, is the need to have boundaries in place and to appreciate them for what they are. And here's the quote. This comes from a nursing theorist. It's not from, a, not from any sort of commentary. Uh, a woman by the name of Lydia Hall, who was a, was a well-known nursing theorist back in the, 20th, in the mid-20th century, said the following thing. Healthy boundaries are not walls. They are gates and fences that allow you to enjoy the beauty of your own garden. So instead of looking at it in the sense that it's hindering you from getting to some other places, the fences that are around you, think about what it's doing inside the garden that you're tilling and working in. I saw another really wonderful book that I have here about the Sabbath, which has a lot of boundaries and a lot of fences and a lot of rules in its, in its, in its observance, that the idea that we can't do creative work on the Sabbath is actually what allows us to grow. By the limit of not doing creative work, by not being allowed to do certain kinds of things, that allows us to grow. So it's not a wall. It's not what's keeping anything out in the sense. It's focused on what's going on the inside. So boundaries are important for everything that's going on. We don't set boundaries. This is another quote that I saw was uh, unknown in terms of its origin. You don't set boundaries to offend or to please others. You do it to manage the priorities and goals set for yourself and for your life. The boundaries set us free. They open us up to opportunities. And so therefore, it's really worth exploring this week as we come to receive the, the Bible, receive the Ten Commandments, rev, experience the revelation of God on the mountain, that we begin to think about boundaries that exist in our lives and the ones that don't. And the reality of it is, is that we, if we don't have any boundaries in our life. If everything is open and free in that way. So there's a sense that A, we can be trod on and stepped on, and B, 
there's this sense that nothing is sacred or nothing is important because nothing is being cared for or watched over specifically, uniquely, that's valuable to me. And so it's really important that we think about the boundaries that we do set and why we set certain boundaries, whether they're relational boundaries, whether that's at home or that's at work, what's with friends, um, spiritual boundaries, emotional boundaries, psychological boundaries, all kinds of different spaces and places where we can put up these kinds of different fences and think about the ones that we do have and think about the why of the ones that we have. But it's important to explore a little bit more the benefit of setting these fences, um, the disadvantage of not having good ones, maybe even just a definition as to what it might actually be, and then actually talk about how to go about setting them. So let's take a couple of minutes here on doing this part. Again, boundary is really important. And so if you're a people pleaser and um, it really like your entire existence is just to make other people happy, we're going to struggle with boundaries. You're really going to struggle with boundaries. It's really hard to say no to people or to, to not participate in certain activities because you're now setting up boundaries and you're going to upset people by now suddenly putting up boundaries in these places. But in fact, if someone is upset by the boundary you put up, that's probably the reason you needed to put it up in the first place. So what's the benefit of having uh, boundaries in our own lives? Number one, it really does help us to establish who we are, what our priorities are, what our territory is, what our territory isn't, what's in, if we think about it in concentric circles, what's closest to us that we guard most severely and most seriously, or we take most seriously, then what's sort of tier two and tier three in our territories that we that we that we that we think about, that we cherish, that we worry about, that we that we love, that we care about. So first is establishing our own identity. Two is really setting up and clearly marking off our priorities and our territory. It is in fact what one article described as effective selfishness. This is like the one space where by virtue of setting up these boundaries, you are being selfish because you are thinking of yourself first, which is uber important to think about yourself first sometimes. And by definition, by extension, you will be eliminating certain things from what it is that you will or you won't do. That's totally okay. The other benefits go deeper. You really do begin to establish a deeper sense of mental and emotional health by establishing some of these boundaries. Again, you don't want to be somebody's doormat. Uh, you don't want to be some, uh, you know, just someone who's someone, a person who's being stepped on all the time. And you don't want to be frustrated all the time. And you want to be able to have your own space in your own time. And this allows you to develop yourself and develop your own personal autonomy by virtue of the fact that you're now setting up and saying, this I'll do, this I won't do, whatever that may be. This also has the ability to help you appreciate other people's boundaries. There are people that we all know who trod freely over other people. We might call them bullies. Sometimes they're oblivious. A lot of the time they're selfish. And so they'll do that to other people, but they won't let other people do that to them, right? And so they have their own boundaries, but they're trotting and stepping all over you and the boundaries that you don't have, and you're frustrated and you're mad and you're upset and you're angry and you're annoyed and you're stressed and full of anxiety and all those other things. So it's really worth spending the time in developing out your own strategy around your own boundaries. 
really, really important. This is about your self-care. It's normal, it's healthy, and it's necessary to set boundaries in your own life. And then when you don't, the disadvantage of not having any of these boundaries is that you're going to have wasted time doing things you don't want to do. You're going to have relational issues because you're going to feel like a doormat in certain relationships. And you're going to be stressed out. Like that's for sure going to be true about the boundaries that you don't have. And so it's important then to define here for a moment what a boundary is and what a boundary isn't. So we'll just sort of give you, I'm going to give you two definitions here in just a moment. And then think about some of the mindset around the obstacles as to why we, we struggle with this. And then talk a little bit about some of the steps that we want to take in setting our boundaries. So here's a classic definition that is brought down in a lot of articles um, and in a lot of the literature around boundaries. This I saw, I think, in Psychology Today. A boundary is a limit or a space between you and the other person. It's a clear place where you begin and the other person ends. I mean, that's as clear a markation as you can have. You're drawing the line between you and somebody else. This is my space. This is not my space. Uh, Brene Brown, who I've quoted a good number of times over the course of 70 plus weeks uh, in Coaching with the Bible, has a more simple definition of boundaries, and it's this. This is what is okay for me, and this is what is not okay for me. That's sort of the yin and the yang, the one side and the other side of boundaries. This is okay. This is not okay. So what's okay is within the bounds. What's not okay is outside the bounds. And it really simplifies. And she goes into really deeper talking about having both sides of that so that it's really clear as to what is included and what is in fact included. So really defining it for ourselves in that way is really, I think, simplifies what, you know, the boundaries that we're going to set. I'm, this is not okay. Like, I'm not going to do this. I will do this. You can talk to me like this. You cannot talk to me like this. We do this fairly easily with our children, you know, with behavioral issues and boundaries that will set up when they're younger in terms of yelling, in terms of um, hitting, in terms of throwing things, in terms of having fits, in terms of misbehaving. We'll have clear boundaries, or at least a lot of us will have clear boundaries or had clear boundaries with our children, but not necessarily for ourselves because we're trying to be better. And this gets into the mindset piece of it. A lot of the time we think that if we set up a boundary, we're setting up a limit, we're putting up a fence, that by definition we're being mean to somebody else. Because by virtue of doing that, we are excluding them or excluding their need vis-a-vis -vis us. And so when we're trying to balance being kind and being mean, we think that by virtue of putting up that fence, we're being mean even if we're trying to be kind to ourselves, But the reality of it is, is that saying yes to somebody and saying no to someone or saying that this is okay and this is not okay to someone is in fact no indication of being kind or mean. It's simply how we're responding. This is a yes, this is a no. How we emotionally then engage with that yes or that no, that implies whether we're being mean or we're being kind. But saying no to someone in a nice and pleasant and respectable and dignified manner is totally okay. That is not a project I can participate in right now. Thank you for thinking of me, but I'm gonna have to say no to that at this moment, right? That happened to me yesterday. I asked somebody to participate in a project, maybe to run something, 
and he respectfully declined. Not in his world. I get it. I'm cool with that. I completely get it. That's a boundary that he's setting. And so we have to sort of appreciate that the yes and the no, the okay and the not okay is how we're going to set those boundaries. And then we have to then go about what that is. So we have to think. We always talk about in coaching with the Bible about thinking and how the time we spend on ourselves, working on ourselves, thinking for ourselves, we have to think about what is okay for me, what's not. Maybe something's okay for me now, and then in a year from now, we're reviewing our boundaries. We're going to say, okay, that's not okay anymore. So what makes me feel good? What makes me feel bad? What's okay for me? What's not okay for me? That's really step one. And then what am I going to put in there? Like, what am I thinking about with respect to boundaries? What's going to be in there in terms of my focus? So it's really going to be three things. Things that effectively, it's all about my personal growth, because I'm prioritizing myself for just a couple of moments. So things that are going to be healthy, helpful, and conducive to my own growth are things that I'm going to be okay with. These are the things that make me feel good. These are the things that are going to be okays and yeses. They're going to fit inside my boundaries. Everything else, whoop, outside the line. But remember that the boundary, the wall, the limit, the fence that we're putting up is to help the garden grow on the inside. We're helping to try to grow ourselves. Then it's really important that we communicate whether directly or indirectly, about how we're prioritizing on these boundaries with, the, with respect to other people around us. Letting people know that this is inside, this is not. This I will do, this I will not do. We're not talking about red lines. That's something we talked about way last year is like the, the moral end or the ethical end of the line for us. I'm not even talking about that. We're just saying in the moment, in the, in the zone of where we live and how we operate and breathe on a day-in, day-out basis, it's important that we communicate what these boundaries are. And the language around those boundaries aren't about the other person. They're about us. So it's not saying like, you can't talk to me uh, uh, at that time. It's when I get home from work, I need a little bit of time. When I get to the office in the morning, I need that first cup of coffee first and a few minutes to get myself together before I can go and sit and have a conversation with you. That is sort of how I do that, right? The language is me-focused. It's okay here. Again, we're self-prioritizing. We're calling sort of efficient or effective selfishness is really important. So you have to trust yourself. You have to have some patience, try to overcome the guilt, and also imply or establish that there there is a consequence for violating my boundaries. Obviously, if it's a physical boundary, no question. But if it's an emotional boundary or it's a psychological boundary, or it's a spiritual boundary that somebody is pushing against, there's a consequence that you're establishing with respect to that. I can't be your partner in business if you're going to continue to speak that way, operate that way, do that thing, right? So consequence for violation. So we want to, again, establish what is important to us, what's good for us, what's not good for us, what's okay, what's not okay. We want to think about what's inside our boundary space, which is what's healthy, helpful, and conducive for our growth. Then we want, to con- we want to communicate that to other people, and then we actually have to practice it. We have to live it. So practice, as I've said before, and I put it in LinkedIn a couple of times this week, uh, from Eric, Eric Thomas, the hip-hop preacher. I'm a big fan. Uh, practice makes permanence. And so we need to practice this and have patience with our boundaries. The more we allow the boundaries to set and to settle, the stronger they're going to be, the more valuable they're actually going to be for us. So that's boundaries. 
we pull it out of the story of the people standing at Mount Sinai, understanding that God is setting boundaries and that without those boundaries, we cannot have the spiritual and emotional growth moment that we're looking for. And so that the boundaries are good, boundaries are valuable, boundaries are, boundaries are important. And then it's important for us to strip that out of necessarily the spiritual moment in the Bible and bring it into our homes, into our lives, into our work environments. That is Coaching with the Bible for this week. Look to see next week. Bye.